Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Frank podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and special event consultant, Toby Dodge of Prepared.com. And Eric Zimmerman, pianist, DJ, and master of ceremonies of ElegantMusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is No Wedding Coordinator, Episode 24. A couple has announced their engagement. Everyone is happy for them. I'm sure the mother of the bride of this wedding took great pleasure in planning her daughter's special day. Now, wedding planning gets you half the way there. After planning for an event to be successful, there remains coordination and execution. It was agreed upon between the band leader and the mother of the bride, that each bridal party couple would enter to their own music during the grand entrance. Ambitious, but great idea. The band prepared and rehearsed six 30-second cues, one cue for each bridal party couple. However, in the story relayed to me, the band set up in such a way that they could not see the couples entering the ballroom, and there was no coordination between the bridal party and the band during the execution of the grand entrance. We can all learn from this. And now please enjoy No Wedding Coordinator. You know, it's kind of interesting is that uh, kind of like a sign of the times, and I, I, hate, to, yeah. I hate to say this, um, but um, there's a friend of mine yeah. who, who's a drummer, and um, he would like to make a little extra money being a DJ. Mm. And so uh, he's never done this before. And he's uh, getting some tips from me and, and I'm um, helping him along. And, and what was interesting was that um, I was trying to explain to him all the things that I do to, make, yeah. to ensure that an event goes well. And he, um, uh, well, he was getting it mostly, but it wasn't until I sent him the itinerary sketch of what I was talking about then then he saw okay you know this is kind of puts it in front of him which is good you know and i i do that for for couples when i'm working with them so they can follow along and and uh fill in the blanks you know that's that's necessary and um anyway then he winds up telling me about a situation where he was doing an event it was a very complicated grand entrance where the band that he was playing in had to play 30-second clips for, for, for the grand entrance for each person walking in. Huh. And there was no coordinator. So that's the, not sounding good. <laughs> that's right. And indeed, you know, they're through the second song, second 30-second song, starting the third, and the mother of the bride comes over, horrified, and says, you should already be playing the first dance. Oh. Because she obviously is the timekeeper. Well, 
Bar is making herself the timekeeper. <laughs> yeah, she's no longer the mother of the bride. She's now the coordinator. <laughs> and what had happened was is that where the band was setting up was far removed from where the grand entrance. Oh, so they couldn't even see? They could not see. <gasps> oh, how unfortunate. Yeah. And I don't know why they were placed where they wound up being or how was it that nobody chose to you know figure all that out you know or that no one was directing the uh bridal party couples to time them or to come that come out at a certain rate you know rather than they all came out at one time and then uh it just messed up the whole coordination about the music and the the mother of the bride she she was concerned about function you know, there's, yep. that, there's that balance between design and function. And yep. so you should be playing the first dance right now. Yep. Um, wow. So it was interesting, the, um, the whole scenario. Did that continue for the rest of the evening? Uh, oh, you mean the upset? Yeah. Um, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Oh. I, th that, that's the only thing that, that we had uh, discussed. Um, this might have been the the wedding, that another similar event that he had talked about. And I don't know if it was the same wedding or not. But he was chided for not smiling as the DJ. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, now I... I I can't be critical of him and I can't be critical of the mother of the bride uh, because they just don't know. But here's two people that are not uh, accustomed to running an event and they're both find themselves running this event. And it's an upsetting situation for everyone. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> but, you know, I, I can relate to that. I, I really can because... Um, the creative team members are very sensitive to each other. And I once had uh, a photographer come to me um, and he meant it all sincerity. Uh, he was concerned. And he said to me, Toby, you're smiling too much. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I knew what he meant. Um, we were having a difficult family in some way to deal with. And I just, I just said to myself, I, I, I have to think positive. I have to do this. And he was not what the problem was. He wasn't seeing any change in my facial, um, expression. So that's what concerned him. He felt like, you know, I was stealing myself against something. And he was right. Yeah, well. But but he knew me so well uh -huh. that he now, he read my face where other people wouldn't have been able to do that. So, you know, it's it's interesting because the last thing that a a family or a couple want to experience is somebody who doesn't want to be there, uh -huh. whether it's a friend, you know, family member or someone who's working the wedding. Right. I mean, 
we have been, all of us have been in a situation where we're in a restaurant and a server unfortunately is surly or indifferent. Um, I hearken back to something that happened years and years ago. I don't even want to tell you how long because it would be incredibly embarrassing. But (laughs) I was sitting at a, I mean, a great restaurant. It was a special occasion. And my former husband had taken me out for our anniversary or birthday. I mean, it was really something special. Mm -hmm. And we were two young kids, literally, in our early 20s. And we made a reservation. We did everything right. We dressed appropriately. But here are these two kids walking into this really elegant restaurant, and they put us at a a table for two next to the kitchen. (laughs) Well, you know, the two of us were savvy enough to realize what was going on. Okay. And I quipped and I said, well, at least I don't have a long jaunt to the bathroom if I need to go, Mm -hmm. which is really kind of silly to say at my age. I didn't didn't have to worry about that. Now it might be something significant, (laughs) but I swear to you, the two of us had one of the best meals we've ever had, but we didn't enjoy it as much Uh because we just kind of felt that, and, and we weren't aware of how, uh, in those days, how very high end restaurants, the, the maitre d' and and the service people were kind of not snooty, but they just seemed uninterested. <laughs> and that was kind of a sign that they weren't listening into your conversation. Uh-huh. But I didn't get that because I was very young and inexperienced and didn't realize what the culture was in that particular restaurant. In other words, we probably should have walked in like snooty people and they would have been lovely to us. But no, we walked in like two young kids smiling our heads off how excited we were that we were there. So, you know what I mean? Yes. So sometimes services can look like they're indifferent, but they're not. What they are is so focused on getting something right that they're all consumed with that. And sometimes they forget that this is a very social industry and business that we are all in. And we have to be extremely receptive and aware of everybody else around us, no matter how important a task is to us personally, we still can't put off anybody and we got to have our game face on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you want to feel welcome, you know, you want to feel that. And and I think just making people feel welcome is, is all part of being a good host and being a, Mm -hmm. or, or representing a, a location, you know, you're, being a good host. I 
harken back to an article that I wrote of where somebody, it could, it could happen, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it could happen that someone walks into the post office and they're standing in line and the line is getting longer and longer. And it just seems that the people behind the counter who are there to serve you are involved in something else. And they're involved in other concerns and they don't seem focused on what they're doing. It seems like they're wasting a lot of time and you don't feel acknowledged that you're there at all. Mm -hmm. There isn't a be right with you, you know, or just so, so hi, you know, good morning. I'll be right with you or something like that. That just lets you know that, well, they see me and they, they know I'm there and they're not ignoring me. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, and I think that in the higher end restaurants or in the higher end, uh, certainly private clubs and organizations and caterers mm -hmm. and things like that, they do take that into consideration that they are there to acknowledge the people that are there. And that little bit, that little bit is totally magic because it just mm. makes people feel like, yeah, they care about me or that my needs will be met or that um, I don't have to worry about them. I can get back to my guest or I can get back to enjoying the food or something. Yep, you're right. It is so, so true. But I'm glad you shared that with us because uh, we sometimes forget uh, the power, frankly, or the significance of being aware of everyone around us mm -hmm. and how everybody's actions and reactions are a part of what makes things happen and, and can influence the atmosphere uh, and actually flow of an evening well if somebody is clearly not having a good night um uh, i'm talking about service staff now yeah that they need to be professional they need to suck it up and get out there and put on the game face mm -hmm. and take care of business and get yeah. and get interested in the person that you're serving not necessarily yeah. what's what might be going on in their head and uh yeah uh, <laughs> and I don't want to slight anybody's um, oh. uh, emergency that they might be experiencing. Oh, that, of course not. Or that they're, you know, saddled with a problem that is uh, can't be solved right at the moment. And so now they're worrying about it. Yeah. And, and I get that, you know, um, maybe at that point they could talk to a supervisor. Or they could say, look, I really need to go and make it, make this phone call or really, really need to handle that. But once again, you know, you're in a professional situation. Well, you know, handle the people in front of you. <laughs> oh, perfection is wonderful. However, it's not a perfect it world. You know, it, it doesn't happen very often. In fact, I was thinking about that um, over the weekend, how, how imperfect everything really is. And in the, or from the imperfect, 
we are able to see what needs to be improved and we can make a difference because of that Hmm. in a positive way. Instead of thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I messed up here. I could have done that. You know, why didn't I get to that? Um, I realize it takes a brain shift, major one to do that because I believe our inclination is to point at ourselves in a direct fashion. But I don't know what came over me. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book that maybe that made a difference. And the book is called When. I think I may have mentioned it to you. Hmm. And it talks about the timing in life and getting up and making decisions and when it's best to do certain tasks. And it it goes into much deeper than that, but it started me thinking, you know, how often we choose to do things out of habit uh, because it's expected of us because we are working for someone else or with someone else, we're always making this, I should say, these decisions and choices. And when I apply it to events, it's the same thing. How often as service providers, and we are service-oriented industry, I don't care how talented and gifted you are. The bottom line is you're trying to make somebody else happy mm-hmm. and satisfied. And you know, from a professional standpoint, what might work best in any given situation based on your years of experience and knowledge and the things that you've just know from working with people innately maybe and still we make it our business to do our best even if the circumstances aren't ideal and I would like to find a way to express that to families and couples. So, and not in a defensive way at all, but in a supportive way that they would get, let's say, that when you're in a situation, and it's highly emotionally charged, obviously, on any given special event, whether it's a wedding, a bar mitzvah, anniversary party, whatever, there's a lot of emotion on, on the line. What are those buzzwords or phrases or ways that can be conveyed to the client that everything really is okay and it really will work out fine mm-hmm. without giving platitudes, you know, and not making yeah. someone's feel like 
you know, you're saying that because you have to say that. That's a that's a biggie, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and here, okay, being in this position where we know what we know as, as yeah. professionals and recognizing that the person that we're helping or the family that we're helping has not done this before and there are... Hmm. They're new to it. So there's all this uncertainty. Yeah. And I think that um, having the, well, the tool, which has many facets to it, but being able to go, well, this is what's going to happen for the event. And you guys are going to walk in here and you're going to do this. Then you're going to do this. You're going to do this. Dinner's going to be served here. And then they they kind of get their wits around what the, the next thing they're looking forward to. In other words, they're, they know that they're being controlled. And you know what? You don't have to think about this. I would like you to know that I have this itinerary here. We're going to make sure that it's going to happen. Now, I'd like you to go talk yeah. to Aunt Mary or whoever that you're concerned with who just came from yeah. out of town. Yeah. And be the hostess. Be the, be the person who's being represented here. And that's, Absolutely. And, you know, I use that word represented. That's what a... Well, a wedding coordinator, um, a master of ceremonies, mm-hmm. um, even even maybe the band leader, maybe to a lesser degree. But, but these are representatives of the host and they're representatives of the celebrants. Yeah. And so if let's say if the DJ doesn't smile, <laughs> God forbid, that <laughs> that this is a reflection then on the proceedings or on the, you know, or if that waiter doesn't smile or doesn't. Yeah, uh, exactly have a uh, a rapport with the people that they're that they're helping that they're serving yeah i think that makes a huge difference well it reflects badly on on the whole thing and then yes the the parents or the couple or whoever is throwing this party has spent thousands of dollars Uh, yeah a lot for it to be ruined by a loud DJ or a DJ who doesn't smile, or that it's somebody who has um, got a scowl on his face the entire night. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what some people are paying for. You know, they're paying for the service. They're paying for the yeah. And I, I would say that maybe smile does indicate uh, design in a sense, but it also indicates uh, a confidence or how something is functioning. You want to look yeah. at somebody and, and have confidence in them. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, encountered motorcyclists, you know, on the, the highway. Yeah. And some of them are very certain about what they're doing. And Absolutely. They, they exude confidence on a motorcycle. And, you know, they're completely exposed. They can be run over any minute, you know, be hit by a truck or something. But, but the scenario here is that, that, that some motorcyclists exude this confidence or that they have this command of their space about them. And that's why we notice them. And we notice them and they're fine. But there are others that I don't know. I just look at them and I'm going like... Does he really know what he's doing on that motorcycle? <laughs> well, you become more frightened because of that. Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't know what is about to happen or not happen. Right. I mean, from what I am hearing you say. Well, having yeah. e- even, you know, a cyclist, a motorcyclist, or even just a bicycle guy, mm-hmm. if, if they have a certain 
oh, I don't know, care to what they're doing. And then they know what's, what their environment is, that they know that they yeah. see you. You you know that they see you and that you see them. And then there's this uh, safe space that, that is made. Yeah. Well, also, I'm convinced, and this has, I, I'm mentioning something that's parallel, but the noise of a motorcycle I, I now understand or uh, actually appreciate more, even though it's an uncomfortable sound, I'm glad it's there because, you know, I mean, you could be, you know how people, they don't zone out when they're driving, but you're thinking about something and you might not look in your rear view mirror every 30 seconds. And, but that noise comes on and that tells you it's and this is a far cry from that but when you're sitting at a table at a function and music's been playing and suddenly a voice breaks in you don't necessarily hear the words or the meaning immediately from what the DJ or uh, masters of ceremony band leader, whomever, but you know, something has changed. Mm -hmm. And I learned a wonderful lesson early on. I noticed that this one DJ repeated himself at least three times. And after a while, I kind of said to myself, gosh, that, that seems unnecessary, but it was perfect. He was right. Mm. He did it in a really nice way. He would, you know, uh, say something to the effect, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've been enjoying the music. We're breaking the, uh, the song because something is about to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not using the right words, but effectively he was excusing himself for interrupting. <laughs> he then um, said the reason why, and then asked everybody to, you know, look toward whatever was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're about to do this in a, in a couple of minutes, mm -hmm. I guess he mentioned a couple of minutes before looking in that direction. And in a couple of minutes, he did the same thing. I mean, it's, um, and he did it. Uh, I, well, what I'm really saying is he more or less taught me by example of what, you have to do when mm -hmm. you have a large crowd. And s some people look at that as being intrusive, you know, breaking the mood or whatever. But I didn't look at it that way. Once I understood, mm -hmm. you know, what, what he was doing, uh, do, do you face the same thing? Well, before you can talk to anybody, yeah, you have to get their attention. And that must be the hardest thing sometimes. Well, you've got a, a large 
crowd of people. They haven't seen yeah. each other since the last wedding, which was <laughs> God knows when. And they're yeah. they're enjoying themselves. They're talking yeah. and everything like this. Uh, there are other crowds, you know, that are there. They're very, very, they're very, very mannered and they're very silent almost. And they're just quietly talking. And you say, you know, good evening, everyone. And all of a sudden the room, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. Well, okay. Then they're already, what, they were waiting for something else to happen is what they were waiting Definitely. for. These other people that are engaged in conversation, well, they're enjoying the moment. They're just going for it, you know. <laughs> So, yes, I think that the example you gave by that DJ of where he repeated himself three times yeah. um, is very, very simply, he's making sure that he has everybody's attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at first, you know, I kind of thought, oh, my God, you know, he has to say it three times because I'm, at I'm attentive. But, you know, to me, it seemed excessive. But after working with him for a while, I realized, oh my God, it really does take at least three times well, to it let could. someone know. It, it certainly could. Well, the other thing too is a lot of times I think MCs and DJs have to say things a few times because someone may be going to the bathroom, coming back from the bathroom or the bar and would not have heard it. Mm-hmm. The first two times that something is about to happen and they decide to go out for a smoke and they miss it. Right. And they get annoyed and they say, well, I never heard that. I wanted to hear my nephew's, you know, speech or whatever, you know, uh -huh. is something like that. That can happen, too. Sure. So I just think it's a necessary element. And yes, there's going to be a few people that are going to be annoyed. The vast majority will not have heard all three. And there'll be a few that never heard anything. Yeah. <laughs> right? No matter what you do. <laughs> no matter how many times you do something or say, the shuttle is leaving in five minutes. And right. they are left, you know, or decided, you know, to go to the bathroom and they come back and where is everybody? <laughs> well, they went on the shuttle and we did go into the bathroom and say, last shuttle do, leaving do you in really? five minutes. Holy I do that. Oh my Holy God. smoke, I do that. That's great. <laughs> well, it's only, you know, you do it because there was one time and it was from, I think it was at Sherwood Country Club, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, I just thought of something. Excuse me. Um, uh, uh, Sherwood Country Club will be our, I'm going to clap so you know when to cut this. Um, when we went through the, using the Skype, we didn't change the inputs or anything on any of the microphones. Do we have to do that? You know what? Um, I see that there's a signal on yours. Okay. I'm getting signal on both of our All right. Things. I, I just, I had that. It came back to me because remember when we used to do the in, input, output, yeah. microphone, all that? Okay. I just, 
I was I had a flashback and I said, oh, my God, uh -oh. Uh -oh. don't tell me we've gone through this whole thing and I did something wrong. OK. All right. Sherwood Another Country clap. Club. Yep. Sherwood Country Club. We had it's, you know, not in it's a suburb. And so it's hard to get taxis uh, to come past midnight. Now it's not such an issue because Uber is there for people. Hmm. But before there was an Uber, occasionally people would overdrink and we had to figure out how to get them home after midnight. So sometimes a somebody in the wedding party would take somebody home because we didn't want them driving their car. And sure, Sherwood was really good about letting you keep your car overnight. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but, you know, if one or two people had, for whatever reason, to leave their car there overnight, it was acceptable. Okay. Mm. There was a reason. So this one time we had shuttles because the vast majority of the people were staying a little farther away because there were other activities happening during the uh, wedding weekend. And the wedding was really, the wedding day was the only thing in the Thousand Oaks Westlake Village area. Everything else happening was in West L.A. Oh. It was just one of those things. Okay. Because of airports, because of family, of the wedding, and all these other reasons, people coming in, it was better for everybody to stay in West L.A. Mm -hmm. And they literally had a couple of shuttles take everybody out, mm -hmm. which was lovely, expensive, but lovely. Mm -hmm. So at the very end of the evening, I don't think I might have gone to check on the bathroom a little earlier, but I thought we had everybody. <laughs> and the thing about shuttles is that you can't assign people that they have to take the 1030 or the 11 o'clock or the 1130. It doesn't work that way. Right. Even if you try and do that, there's always going to be reasons why some people can't, do, you know, adhere to it. So. And we made sure that the shuttles were large enough so that if more people decided to wait till the end, we wouldn't have anybody left over. And everybody who was supposed to be on the shuttle, I did check off. In other words, I knew everybody on the, sh you know, I didn't know when they were going, but when they went, I was there to check off their name. Oh, wow. So I, yeah. I knew that all the shuttle people had gone and I just thought we didn't have anybody else left. And I went to the bathroom and guess what? There was a gal in there and she was not in good shape. Oh, well, yours truly drove her home because there we, she would have had to sit there probably for 40 minutes to get a taxi and she wasn't in the best of shape, you know? And I felt, you know, if she didn't live more than 
a half hour away in any one direction, I would take her because I don't live around the corner there either. No. So, <laughs> but it just worked out that she lived maybe 10, 12 minutes from Sherwood. So it wasn't any big deal for me. Mm. But the point is she would have had to sit there for a good 40 to 45 minutes. If at all, she could have gotten a taxi in those days to right. come and pick her up. And it would have been expensive too. So thank you. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bride and groom never knew. They never knew. It was, no, it's not something I'd share. She probably was more embarrassed than anybody anyway. So all I'm saying is, you know, going back to the initial point is our imperfections sometimes give us opportunities to do better in the future. And after that last call, uh, literally last call at in that neck of the woods, after that was 1130 for anyone who needed a taxi. Hmm. And literally either myself or an assistant would go around to everyone and ask them, if I knew their face, you know, from the shuttle, I didn't have to do it. But if I, because over, you know, a four to six hour period, you get to know the faces of a wedding. Mm -hmm. You know who they are, where they're sitting, uh, who they're dancing with. You get to know everything like that. And so if I didn't recognize them from the shuttle, one of us would go over and say, we just want to make sure that you have a, a way home. And, and they'll say, oh, yes, I'm driving. And then we would say, if you're driving and you're just not sure if you want to drive home, you know, in another half hour, 40 minutes, we're going to let you know at 1130, if you need a taxi, you must call one. Let us know. We'll call you one. Mm -hmm. at 11.30. After 11.30, we cannot promise that there will be a taxi available. Now, today, it's obviously Uber or Lyft or whatever else is out there. But, you know, that doesn't mean that in every area, they're going to be there in five minutes. I know a lot of people think that, you know, under 10, you can get a Lyft or an Uber easily. But mm -hmm. I have been in situations where it has been a good 15, 20 minutes. If at it's a least. busy night. Yeah, if it's a busy night. Yes. Then, yeah. Or if you're not in an area that is heavily populated. Right. It can be a long time. I mean, you can get somebody, but it is not guaranteed that it's going to be lickety split for sure. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email, eric at elegantmusic.com. That's E-R-I-C at elegantmusic.com. Contact Toby by email, Toby at prepared.com. That's T O B E Y at 
P-R-E-P-A-I-R-E-D.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening.